Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Please be seated. We have made it. 40 days and 40 nights, prayer and fasting, and tonight through the ark of salvation, told with scripture and story. We have seen the veil fall and made our way visually into the bright glory of the resurrection. It's a sensory party, and one I am so glad to share with you, because having you all here in this space makes worship feel more holy. And because it means that we are headed toward the end of our separation, when those joining us online and those who are here could worship the incarnated Christ in the same physical space. And because that means that we can spend time with loved ones and not just by Zoom. But I am impatient. I want there to be a glorious moment when masks fall and we can breathe fresh air or maybe even the stagnant air at Fred Meyer's when we can smile at strangers and go on about our days the way we once did. It's on the horizon. Several of Trinity's staff got our first Fauci ouchies this week, our first shot in the series of two from Pfizer or Moderna. And I know that we are all headed toward an immunity level that protects most of us. Before this vaccine rollout, I hadn't considered how long it would take to do something so big. We have lived with a lot of grief this last year, the heartache of departed loved ones with lives unfinished, the loss of jobs and homes, plans and expectations, the stress of watching politicians point fingers and argue instead of trying to find solutions. I've longed for a vaccine and expected that when we had one, we could somehow get right back to the summer of 2019 when Corona wasn't part of our vocabulary. If I'm honest, it is happening quickly. Have y'all been to the convention center? The vaccination effort is a tremendous operation. Thousands of people making their way through Distanced, masked, waiting, and not for long. I am awed by the organization, and I had no idea that the federal government was capable of this kind of efficiency. I don't think they did either. But getting millions of people to do anything just takes time. We gather this weekend to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the most important holiday of the church year. And culturally, tomorrow is the day, the big day, the day for plastic eggs and peeps and pretty dresses. By Monday or Tuesday, all the eggs will have been opened, the chocolate eaten, the too many hard-boiled eggs tucked into the fridge, the hats put away, and life will go on. But that's not how it happened the first time. Easter 2,000 years ago was obviously a big day, the big day. But in Mark's gospel, it's not a day of spring flowers and marshmallow chicks. In fact, Mark doesn't even go there at all. 
And in some ways, this is more of the Easter story that I feel this year. Jesus' followers had been through brutal loss. In an awful night, his dear friend Judas betrayed him with a kiss, and Peter denied knowing the man he'd faithfully followed. The governor, Pontius Pilate, tried to avoid the execution that Jesus foretold, but finally they watch as Jesus dies in the worst way, hanging on a cross. It's the kind of loss that robs you of breath, punishing, shocking, knee-buckling anguish, world-consuming sorrow so deep that it feels impossible to withstand. In the afternoon, he is buried in a tomb and left through the Sabbath, alone in a garden. There is no time to properly prepare his body for burial before the Sabbath, so they wait. At daybreak, as soon as they are allowed, three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Salome, set out with herbs to prepare his body. Surely they had prepared bodies for burial before. That was part of life in those days. But this would have been different. The death of a young man in the middle of his life, their teacher, friend, loved one, who had died not by accident or by illness, but executed by the state, and killed not for a great crime, but rather for healing on the Sabbath, touching the unclean, rebuking the authorities for the unconditional law enforcement, transforming hearts and minds, embodying the great love of the Creator for humankind. These actions that seem so necessary these actions that made and make the world a better place were done in a way that was against the rules, so they put him to death. Not for making the world a better place, but doing it in an unlawful way. Then and still now, you could and can do things to help people, but even we have laws against giving people water who are waiting to vote or helping panhandlers, or sheltering the unsheltered, or feeding the hungry. We enforce law even when it violates common humanity. Because living as Jesus did, offering care and love and kindness, that kind of power changes the world in ways that are too unpredictable for us to allow. And so living as Jesus did is against the law still, and for Jesus, it meant death. And on the third day after he died, having, having suffered and ached with unbearable loss, it must have been a long walk back that Easter morning. Were they quiet? Were they making nervous small talk? They go there on faith to do what they were supposed to do, even as they weren't sure how they would open the tomb when they got there. Only when they see it, their questions are answered by still more questions. The stone that closed his tomb is rolled away. Do you think they ran the last few feet, buoyed by sparks of intuition, that this was what Jesus told them would happen? Or were they paralyzed with dread that even in death, his body would be desecrated? 
They arrive and look into the tomb where Jesus' body should have been. Mark is atypically descriptive here. We are given all the facts, maybe even unnecessary ones. It is the breathless recount of extraordinary events. The fresh story about something that happened that the witness hasn't quite yet understood. The The important story is what he said. And yet there are other details here because they haven't had time to discern the inconsequential parts. This is the whole story, raw and unrefined. A young man dressed in white sitting on the right side says, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised, he is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going on ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as it was told you. As the women leave to do what he instructed, it says that they were seized by terror and amazement. And in what may be the true ending of Mark's gospel, it says, they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Here is the account, raw and unrefined. Here ends the reading. We know that Mark is brief, but even brief stories have endings. In the last couple thousand years, we have added a conclusion or two. My study, Bibles offer, my study Bible offers both a shorter and longer ending to this gospel, but both are bracketed because scholars generally agree that they were tacked on later. We add these conclusions because the mystery is too uncomfortable to sit with. They must have told the story. We all know it. But Mark didn't tell us that part and we don't know why. Perhaps he wanted us to figure it out for ourselves and to figure out how we too will tell the story. He has given us the raw account. Here is their encounter with as much detail as they remembered. What now, dear reader? What will you do with the facts? For Mark, this is the story of Easter. This is how it ends. This is how it begins. It is deeply sorrowful, breathlessly hopeful, amazing, and terrifying. The young man sends them back to the disciples and Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, a reminder to you and to me that even when we deny Jesus over and over, we are still counted among his beloved. The young man sends them back to tell the impossible story of the resurrection of Jesus. How long after that very first Easter Do you think that it took for the disciples to truly celebrate what had happened? How long before they acclimated to the pain so that they could live into the resurrection? That first Easter in the cool dawn when three women found the empty tomb that changed us in ways that they couldn't imagine. And they will spend the rest of their lives trying to understand, believe, witness and proclaim how Jesus defeated death and how he will keep overcoming death on our behalf. 
But Easter morning is a quiet thing where the world is broken open, but people haven't had time to realize what it really means. They have the vaccine, but not everyone has received it yet. So we wait. We wait together for daybreak when we can prepare our dead for burial. We have watched personally and through story as loved ones die with only strangers for comfort. The doctors, nurses, chaplains, janitors, they are the angels in those tombs. In the months and years to come, we will acclimate to the profound loss of this last year, and we will understand what has happened and how it affected us. We will create new patterns and learn to be around people again, maybe even without masks. But the vaccine isn't immediate joy, the one-day glory that flips on lights and gets us singing in church again. Let us be crucified with Christ, serving the poor, feeding the hungry, offering shelter to the unhoused. Let us make room in our hearts for the hard to love without hope of repayment. When we can either fight to understand or choose kindness, let us with God's help always err for tenderness. Let's invite people to be who they are and recognize them as God's most beloved. Confess our judgment and hardness of heart. Adjust our expectations and speech. Give up our privilege and let people name themselves, not for what they aren't, but what they are. Let them pick how they identify their gender, race, ethnicity, and religion, even and especially when we don't understand. Let's fight the laws that are wrong, especially because we know that the ends do not justify the means. The man we follow literally died for that. And in the morning, let's finish Mark's gospel, sitting with the sorrow of the last two days, the loss of the last year, the anguish of so many deaths at state hands. Let us wipe our tears, not away, but simply so that we can see the empty tomb we are about to enter. Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. What do you do now, dear reader? How will you tell and live into the spectacular glory of Easter, not only tomorrow, but for the rest of your life. Go from this place, finish incomplete lives, and write the resurrection ending of Mark's gospel. Alleluia, the Christ is risen.